You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Episode 171 of that one time on tour is brought to you by the band Side Out. Side Out is a four-piece melodic punk band hailing from Orlando, Florida. Armed with a heavy melodic sound, powerful riffs, sugary vocal harmonies, and thoughtful lyrics, Side Out formed in 1999 and quickly began to light the Orlando music scene on fire while playing to sold-out crowds all over town. Their new album, Change of Turn, is about to be released with their first single, Hear Me Out, streaming now. The band believes the energy, angst, and sincerity of their music, along with the powerfully insightful lyrics, can motivate listeners to do good. Their mission is to make a positive change in the world through their art that they create. For more information on Side Out, you can find them on all of the streaming platforms as well as Facebook at Side Out Punk Rock and Instagram at Side underscore Out underscore Band. Now here it is, their new single, Hear Me Out. Relentless demons seem to thrive In this instant pursuit of you I know it's tiring, try to hide it all Pretend you're fine, enough but convincing smile Cause I Silence. 
What's shaking? This is Zach Wild, Black Label Society, and we're all doing a hang listening to that one time on tour. <laughs> Hey, everybody out there in podcast land, what is going on? As always, this is Chris Swinney, and I am your host for that one time on tour. If this is your first time joining me, this is my podcast where I get to sit down with somebody in or around the entertainment industry and have a stellar conversation. I hope you're all doing well out there, staying safe and healthy. Uh, I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. We spent the day at my aunt's house. And while it was a smaller than normal gathering, it was it was awesome. We had a really, really good time. You know, with the pandemic the last couple of years, uh, it's holidays have been kind of strange. This one, we're, we're getting back to normal, but there were there were less than the 90 people that were normally there. But we had a good time. Uh, the kids, the Swinney kids got to see some of their cousins that they hadn't seen for a couple of years. And uh, we all ate way too much and had all kinds of good dessert. It, it was a good time. It was nice to kind of get back to normal for one of the holidays. Uh, the rest of the weekend has consisted of binging Netflix and Hulu with my wife, eating leftovers, and finishing up some of the writing for the upcoming fire sale record. We're getting very, very close to having it completely written, and uh, most of the demos are done. Pretty excited about that. That's been taking up a lot of my time here lately. Uh, my last intro for the, the the last episode that I came back with was pretty long, so uh, let's get to today's guest. Let's talk about today's episode. Today on the program, I got to sit down and have a chat with Mr. Zach Wild. Yes, Zach is an insane guitarist and all-around awesome dude. Uh, if for some reason you have no idea who Zach is, I don't know if you're living in a cave or whatever, but uh, he has been Ozzy Osbourne's right-hand man starting way back in 1988 with Ozzy's album, No Rest for the Wicked. Uh, Zach also is the mastermind behind Black Label Society, who has a new album, Doom Crew Incorporated, that uh, actually, I don't know if it's Incorporated or just Doom Crew Inc. I think it's just Doom Crew Inc. But it was just released and it is killer. It's such a killer record. So many awesome guitar solos and Zach's voice is, is 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 really, really cool. You got to check out the new record from Black Label Society, Doom Crew Inc. It is up streaming now. I think you can get all kinds of cool, you know, vinyl and CDs and whatnot also. But uh, this episode was so much fun and I think you're really going to enjoy it. Zach is one of my guitar heroes and getting to speak with him and talk a little bit about his his, you know, writing style and and some of the music theory stuff that we got into. It was just really, really cool to talk to Zach. And uh, so before I get to my chat with Zach, let's do some housekeeping. Let's keep the lights on. We have some sponsors for today's episode. The band that started it all off, Side Out, out of Orlando, Florida. If you want to check them out, you can on all the streaming platforms as well as Facebook at Side Out Punk Rock and Instagram at Side underscore Out underscore Band. Thank you guys so much for sponsoring today's episode. 
Also on board, we have partscasterconcierge.com. That is my buddy Gary. He builds guitars. He consults. He builds pedals. He does all kinds of cool stuff. He built me a guitar. He needs to build you one as well. So check out partscasterconcierge.com and tell them that Chris sent you. Last but not least, we have Permanence Tattoo Gallery. My buddy Jacob Harrison and past guest of that one time on tour is the owner and proprietor and he's an amazing tattoo artist. Everyone over there is amazing. So you need to check them out. They're in Anderson, Indiana, downtown. You can check them out on the socials at Permanence Tattoo Gallery. And if you're listening to this and you don't want to rewind because you want to check out the band or you want to check out any of the sponsors, all of this information is in the show notes on the episode page. All you have to do is go to tototpodcast.com and click to the episode page. This is episode 171, and you can get all of the info that I'm speaking about right now. If you have a band or a company and you would like to sponsor an episode, it's super easy. You can hit me up, tototpodcast at gmail.com or on any of the socials, which you should be following me on anyway, at tototpodcast. If you want to send a one-time donation, you can hit up my personal Venmo. It is at Christopher Swinney. That is C-H-R-I-S-T-O-P-H-E-R-S-W-I-N-N-E-Y. The easiest way to support is to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen. And make sure to follow us, like I said, on the socials at T-O-T-O-T Podcast. I'd like to give a shout out to our art director and merch director, Sarah, over at Road Dog Supply. Make sure to follow her on Instagram and Facebook at Road Dog Supply. Uh, we have all kinds of really cool stuff for Fire Sale, my band. We have uh, our new 7-inch coming out. And limited bundles are available. Sarah takes care of everything over there. Just head on over to firesaleisaband.com. So we don't have... Any sort of segment today, we uh, I'm saving all the segments because we have a special episode coming out before the end of the year with top 10 lists and top five lists and radio segments and all kinds of crazy stuff. So without further ado, I'm going to jump right into why you came. Today's episode is so awesome. I get to sit down and have a chat with Zach Wild. He was the nicest, just most genuine, honest guy and he doesn't have to be that way because he's a fucking guitar hero. But Zach Wilde is maybe one of my favorite guests I've ever had. He tells some really good stories. And uh, I don't know. I think you're really going to like it. So without further ado, this is my conversation with the legendary Mr. Zach Wilde. Here we go. And I'm on the line with uh, just legendary guitarist, songwriter, and all-around good guy, Mr. Zach Wilde. Zach, how are you doing today, man? That's when I enter the, the Black Label Love Dojo every night with the Immortal Beloved, uh, with that <laughs> intro right there. But uh, it doesn't help. I'm still sleeping on the couch. But anyway, so what are you doing, brother? Everything's going good. Everything's going great, man. I'm just, I'm excited to have you on the show today. I, you know, I love rock and roll music. It's what I've been doing my entire life, being in bands, touring. And you've always been quite an inspiration to me. The first compact disc I ever got was No More Tears. Wow, thirty years ago, and we're celebrating it today, my brother. Yeah, I've got that. I've got it in my notes. We're, we're celebrating the thirtieth year of that record. I want to talk to you about that. I want to talk to you about the new Black Label Society stuff. I just, I've got so many cool questions for. I hope they're cool questions. <laughs> yeah, it's all good, man. So one thing I wanted to know right off the bat, I've been asking a lot of my guests this. You know, with this we these weird times we're living in with the pandemic, everybody's kind of been off the road more than they have in their whole career. 
What has it been like for you? Have you had more free time and more time to like spend with your family? Yeah, I think I I think everyone will have to agree on that one. I mean, you know, because people are like, oh, you know, the, the pandemic, this and that. Yeah, I go, I I know so many of my friends, you know, actually uh actually were able to catch up with their grandparents before they passed away or what you know, I'm just saying over this year they were exactly because it was so old. I mean, I just figured they were gonna pass away when I was on the road or something. I'd miss them. You know what I mean? I couldn't spend quality time with them or their parents or whatever, you know. But uh yeah, I, I mean, I, I when I'm home, you know, I'm because I'm always on the road all the time. This is yeah. like the, the most I probably have been, the longest I've been home for sure within the last 20 plus years. But, uh, you know, because now, I mean, it's between touring with the boss, with Oz, with with Black Label, Zach Sabbath, Generation X, <laughs> uh, you know, going out with Experience Hendrix or something. I'd be home and then it's just like a week or two weeks later, I'm right back out on the road. I mean, I, I love it. I mean, I'm, that's the reason why you have pictures of Jimmy Page up on your wall and, yeah. and Frank Marino and, you know, Tony Iommi and all my heroes and Al DeViola and John McLaughlin and Randy Rhodes and everything like that. So, I mean, that's the reason why you do it. So you're, you're doing what you love. So, but, uh, no, when I'm home, you know, I, I love, you know, taking, picking Sabbath up at school, bringing him to Jeet Kune Do, you know, hanging out, bringing the dogs for a walk, you know, cause I would always tell my wife, I go, I don't know if you've ever slept with a professional dog walker, but now <laughs> is your chance, you know? So yeah, it was, I mean, it was, it was so I could be home to, to, you know, spend more family quality time. But I mean, you know, we put the, put the box set together, the number more black thing together, did some videos for that thing. And then we, uh, you know, put together the doom crew record and then, you know, so now, now we're getting ready to roll. So, I mean, we, we just did Sturgis. We did another, we did two more shows with the Montana chapter and the Virginia chapter, like all these festivals. And I mean, it was great all, you know, cause with the doom crew, uh, we keep in touch on a group text and everything like that. So everyone's keeping in touch and sending each other goofy stuff, but, yeah. uh, but it was great to see everybody again physically. And then when we're doing the shows, you know, I'm looking at you, you're looking at me and it's, it's like, we, and we just do this like two weeks ago. Yeah. It just felt like, <laughs> Like it didn't feel like almost two years ago, you know, it's like 20 months ago. So uh, it just felt like we just left off right where we started again. So yeah, yeah. It, um, yeah, it was pretty crazy. And then, you know, it was great seeing all the crowds and everybody having a good time. So it was, uh, it was definitely cool. So I'm, you know, obviously looking forward to, I think the 27th, we saw Black Label Boot Camp. Paul Abdul's coming down to work with us. So the new dance routine <laughs> and, you know, and, and, you know, dance dance routine, new outfits, uh, new rouge, new eyeliner, new uh, you know, new lipstick, new all types of new things, garters, everything, high heels. You know, just to make sure, you know, all the costumes and the outfits go fine for the next run. I wanted to talk about the whole Doom Crew kind of concept because you know the new record that is out November twenty sixth. It's called Doom Crew Incorporated. And, you know, I, I read that it's a tribute to your road crew and your legions of fans everywhere. In my experience, people that really are into Black Label Society, they live and die by that shit, man. I, I mean, that's that has to feel good. It's almost like I can only compare it to like the Kiss Army, which I'm sure you were probably a part of when you, you know, when well, you were I mean, younger. Well, well, put it, I mean, when I was when I was a kid, you know, uh, our next door neighbors were Smiths. I remember uh, Scotty was my age and he had, 
the Smiths, they had a, six boys and five girls. I mean, I wanted to show everybody uses the ass. They were like, oh my God, are they Catholic? And I was like, actually, <laughs> yes, they are. Yeah. But uh, but the thing is this, um, I mean, the the parties over there in the summers, I, you know, it's just like me and you were brothers. You have three kids. I got four kids. Our brother Scott's got, you know, he's got two kids. Our sister Susan has four kids. I, you know, I mean, the Christmas is over there and like Easter and like you name it, birthday. It was just, it'd be like 600 people. You'd have to have somebody, a ballet to park the cars. <laughs> you had that many people coming over to the house, you know, just a family get together. But uh, I mean, the parties they used to have there on the summers, I remember him cranking Hotel California and everything like that. But it's just like, you know, barbecue and kegs for, I mean, but it was insane. But I remember Dougie, Scotty's older brother, was a huge deadhead. And I remember, I just always thought it was the coolest thing because it was just like they'd have all their friends get together from like, and we're in Jersey. And they'd have friends coming up from like South Carolina, North Carolina, people come, buddies coming from Boston, people coming from like all over, you know, Philadelphia or whatever. And they'd all meet over at, you know, the Smith's house having these raging barbecue keg parties and like they'd all be meeting together to get ready to go see the dead, whether they were like a giant stadium and then they would just road trip because they're up to Boston all the way out to like Chicago or whatever. But the band, I just always thought it was like the coolest thing that this band was this living, breathing thing. And it just like, it was the band that brought all them together from like all parts of, from, you know, like you said, from North Carolina all the way up to, to Boston and had friends in Chicago and like they'd all meet together. And the thing that brought them all together was the band. And like, you know, somebody sees somebody wearing black label stuff in a bar or whatever, and then they start hanging out. And it's like eight years later, he's the best man at your wedding. <laughs> yeah. You know, but the thing that the thing that brought you together was the band. Yeah. And so it's this, it's this community and it's this family type thing. And everybody looks out after each other. And it just, and you know, and you have like like Zach, one of my best friends I met, you know, because he was wearing an Aussie shirt. And now, you know, we, we all started talking. And next thing you know, we both love Sabbath. And we both, and next thing you know, they, there's this community of people. And it's worldwide, you know, so I, and it's bigger than me. So, which I think is awesome, you know, because I'll meet people and it's just like, uh, you know, because now they have kids or they got, they got married and they have kids now. And it's not, you know, so when, you know, because the band's been around 22 years now. So it's, uh, it's definitely cool. You know, because I always tell everybody we don't have fans, we have fans. So it's just yeah. like one gigantic family type vibe. So yeah, it's definitely great, man. Do you, sure. what do you think attributes to that? Because I mean, there's a lot of bands out there that have fans, maybe not casual fans, maybe like obsessive fans, but that family vibe and just the way, I mean, I've met so many people that are into Black Label Society and there's no neutral people. Oh, I like one song. They're in, they're all the way in. So do you think it's kind of the way that you, like you said, you you meet your fans, you're, you you care so much about them, you try to make it a family vibe? What do you think attributes to, to it being that? I, 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 like you said, I just think it just it's taken a life of itself. You know, it's taken a life of itself. I mean, I, I, like you said, I, I think it's beautiful. I mean, it, like you said, I, I, what I compare it to is like the, the whole dead type thing, you know, like when I was younger seeing it, I would just thought that was the greatest thing because I just thought it was like, wow. Like it, it's so cool that it brings all these people together. Yeah, and it's and like you said, it's bigger than than the guys. It's just it's just it's a mentality and it's a thing, it's a living, breathing thing. So uh, yeah, it's definitely awesome, though, man. So the new record, you guys recorded it at your home studio, the Black Vatican 
is that the first time you've done a full record there or is that a normal thing for you no no we've we're, actually we we built the studio probably in like 2009 2010 so i mean the whole order of the black was the first album we did there so we did we've done order there now we've done book of shadows too we've done catacombs grimmest hits uh the unblackened thing we mixed there i mean you know we we cook up all the black label flavor country donuts there now and then we box them up and ship them out so yeah everything's done at the vatican now you know what i mean there's no no need to go anywhere else do you feel a little bit better maybe being at home i know a lot of friends of mine that have kind of shifted from the traditional studio setting to i mean the same gear and everything you need but you know a home studio is it more yeah, relaxed well, I, well, I, I think it i think it just saves you a ton of money yeah i mean oh, you know, yeah. so i mean well, you know, because think about it back in the day, if a studio is charging you a thousand a day and you're in there for 60 days, yeah, you know, between recording and mixing, it, you're that's $60,000, man. You know, so, uh, whereas now, like, uh, like, you know, somebody could record a record on their computer in their one bedroom apartment, yeah, you know, so you're not, and you know, not everybody has $60,000 to be spending on a, on a recording, man. So, you know, it, uh, it'll definitely save you a ton of money. And then, you know, I remember, you know, I think when we were doing, when we were doing No More Tears and we were tracking uh, Randy's drums, we were at A&M in the big room and that was like three grand a day back Jeez. in 1990. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, that's $3,000 a day. And I mean, I mean, it's just like, you know, I mean, <laughs> unless, <laughs> unless you're the Osborne band where you're Led Zeppelin, I don't know who's got $3,000 a day to just track drums. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, I, I just think um, I think that's the reason why a lot of people have home studios now. And I mean, you know, sound quality. I mean, back in the day, the sound quality wouldn't be as you know, like you want to have it so it's it sounds like a, a real record or you know whatever instead of just like a demo tape. But I mean, uh, no, even though we have the Vatican there, I I don't spend all day in there like like Prince, you know, where I'm <laughs> I'm like just recording songs upon songs upon songs. You know, like when we're gonna make a record, it's kind of like uh, you know, like, you know, my wife, like Barbara, Anna, she'll just say, uh, babe, the, the, the guy, the fellas are going to come out in about a month. So that means I got a month to come up with this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, it's just like, uh, all right. So every day I just go in, I'll take a couple of Valhalla Java, sit there with my practice amp in my gym. And then I got, it sounds like I'm in Madison square garden. I got the reverb on there and it's just like, I'm jamming at a low volume. So, and I'm just, I'll just start writing. You know what I mean? It's just like, you know, like people, people ask, they go, well, I mean, do you listen to like cream mountain Sabbath Zeppelin deep purple? I mean, for inspiration, it's like, no, I just, what I do is I take lady Gaga records, Madonna records, and I play them backwards <laughs> and listen to all the satanic messages. <laughs> and then after that, I, I just turn, you know, I, I, you know, I go back to church and then, you know, say a couple prayers and then come back. It's quite the production and it's very dangerous as well. But I mean, but the whole thing is, and then all these riffs just start coming out, you know? So I just play all the riffs on Madonna albums and Lady Gaga albums. I play them backwards and I just move them forward. And then you come out with stillborn. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> there you go. Or suicide Messiah. It there sounds, you go. sounds so, like a good process, man. I mean, I mean, yeah, well, it's quite the production. Like you said, it's very dangerous going in, but you know, I'd take that chance. Why fix what's not broke, right? My list first, <laughs> I listened to Aerosmith living on the edge a couple of times to get me psyched. <laughs> yeah. So I am living on the edge and then I go in. So I've, I've got some questions for you. I mean, I want to keep talking about the new <laughs> record, but, uh, 
you know, as a guitarist, I, I, I mean, I, I've, I've been a fan of you forever. Just like everything that you've done, your writing style, the solos, I'm very interested to know. I have so many people on this show that I'm a fan of. And then we get to talk about like music theory and all this different stuff. And so many people are untrained and they just, they can just do that. Like I went to college for music theory. I teach guitar for a living. I, it's hard for me to jam sometimes because the numbers are in my head. You know what I mean? All the modes and all this stuff. Are you a pretty studied guy or is a lot of that just kind of, you know, by feel and by, by hearing it? No, no, no. I I think I, without I put it this way, when I first started, uh, my guitar teacher, Leroy, uh, right. He would like, you know, I mean, it was a big deal when I was able to, you know, first play back in black and, you know, just the lick that did it. It was like, I mean, that was like a major breakthrough. I remember it did his, like, like it was yesterday. So it was like, Oh my God, I can actually play and play it with the record. You know, I was just like, this is like the greatest thing ever, you know? So, and you know, that sense of accomplishment that, you know, it's like playing a video game when you get to a, a certain level, you know, I, I just sort of equate it to, you know, so, you know, for kids, it's just like, finally, I got to that next level, you know? So, um, yeah, but like my what Leroy would teach me, like he would explain to me, like why that lick works. Yeah, you know what I mean. So it's not just that you're guessing, you know. And I and I always I I really I always found that interesting anyway. You know, I just like listening to, you know, if you like Jimmy Page, if Zach, if you Jimmy, you love Jimmy Page, and you should listen to, you know, Muddy Waters and listen to Howlin. You know, this is where he's coming from. Yeah, you know what I mean. And it's just like, oh wow, check that out. You know, so then you then you hear you go back and just the history of everything, you know, and then you hear how it evolves. And it's just, I just always find that so interesting. You know what I mean? How like you took, you know, a song and then you twisted it and bent it and then it turned into something that's completely different. You know what I mean? But the spark of inspiration was that one song or that one lick or whatever, you know? So I just always think that's so interesting. So, I mean, but also I I just, you know, when I started learning scales and everything, you know, my pentatonics, my diatonics, and then, and it was for me. It was important to want to 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 be able to speak the language. Like if you said, Zach, this is an F sharp. I I should know how to play my pentatonics in F sharp. And then, but not only just in you know on the, on the second fret, you know the main pentatonic. Like I should know every position. Yeah. You know what I mean. So this way, you know, and to me, I I I I would just study and just practice until I memorized all. Of them. You know what I mean? Just like from the, here's F sharp. Now here's it in G. Here's it in A. Here's in B minor. Here's in C. Here's in D. You know, so this way you could transpose things. Or if we were doing a song of blues and D, I would know where D is. You know what I mean? Yeah. So no, but I mean, like when you, I think it's it's important that you know the language. You know what I mean? So it's just uh, for me anyway. So, but the but the thing is, um, you know, I mean, at the, at the end of the day, music isn't about like you said, it's not about, it's not about that. It's just like, if it, if it sounds right, you know, if it, if it moves you and everything like that, I mean, you know, uh, you take a song that knocking on heaven's door, it just has three chords. Yeah. And I, and I'm, I'm saying it's a, an amazing, awesome song. I mean, then, then you have all on the watchtower, it's three chords, you know what I mean? <laughs> but it's just, it, it's, it's a, the way, the way it's presented and everything like that, it, you know, it's, it's different. Than knocking on heaven's door, even though they're, they're only both of them are three chords, they're it's the way they're presented, and that's a beautiful thing about music. So, um, but I, you know, even I remember John McLaughlin even saying, he goes, You learn as much theory as you can, but it, it but like once, once you're playing, that's all you, you don't think that way, yeah, 
You know what I'm saying? You're just, you're playing, you know what I mean? But uh, just like, you know, I, I think, you know, with guys that box or guys that are, you know, with, or Bruce Lee, you know what I mean? Or Chuck Norris. So the whole thing is you learn as many moves as you can. You learn as many grappling moves as you can. You learn how to, how to defend, you learn how you learn all the stuff, but like once the bell rings and you get in there, it's, it's everything, all the information you've gathered, all the practice you've done and everything like that. And then it's just kind of second nature. Yeah. 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 And you know I mean? Cause you, you learn how to speak words, but you don't, unless me and you were learning another language, you know, and we're just getting the language down, whether it's German or we're learning how to speak Japanese, you know, when somebody asks us a question, we want to order something off a menu, you know, you we're thinking while we're saying it until it becomes fluent. And then we're not thinking anymore. You just, you just say it what you want to order. You know what I mean? So I, I think it's a matter of, the, I think it's, it's like that with all musicians. Cause once you start improvising, you're just playing by feel. Yeah, definitely. You know? And, and the same thing when you write, you know what I mean? So. Well, let's, let's, let's talk a little bit about the writing. You know, you were telling me your, your process with Lady Gaga and Madonna, you know, things backwards <laughs> when, you know, I understand like the writing process kind of jamming and getting stuff out, but when you're kind of known for your lead work in all of your different bands that you're a part of, how do you approach those solos? Is it a lot of jamming and comping together or do you actually kind of compose those solos? No, I compose. I mean, what I'll do is I, I just tell, you know, Adam, father, Adam, our engineer, I just go Adam, make me a homework tape. You know what I mean? So what I'll do is like, after I get, get the vocals done, I mean, like even, even like the process when we made the new record is even simpler than how we've done it in the past. I mean, well, I'll just go in like everything that you're hearing on that record, like set you free or whatever. I went in there and just did all the music, you know, played the riff, doubled the guitars of what you actually hear on that record. It, that was done before Father Jeff and JD just even came out to the Vatican. So me and Adam actually tracked all the songs done with to a click track. And if it slowed down or speed up and, and, in a uh, tempo, I would, we would stop right there and I'd get set the click. So it's slower or whatever, you know, or, and then, then I would play the rhythm there, double it. And then, so like the song sounds in one take, you know, but the whole thing is, uh, so this way when Jeffy would listen to it, he was just listening to like set you free. And then he would go, all right, I go, we're all coming in barn burners, right? Right on one, you know, just no intro, just all on one. And so he's like, all right, what's this section here? I go, that's the pre-chorus we use. So maybe I'll do halftime thing or air or whatever. And then this, what does it do? Go right back to the chorus. I go, yeah, chorus, the verse is a chorus. So he's like, all right, okay, cool. And what's this section here? And then at the end, we'll do the solo at the end. So, so no stopping, just keep going through the whole song. He's like, all right, cool. Jeff will just listen to it, play air drums while we're all listening to it a couple of times. And then he goes, all right, let me go do this. He just, Jeff goes in there because the drums are already set up in the Vatican, the piano, the drums are mic, the guitars are already mic'd up. We just leave them. I just leave them. So whenever we're going to record, it's, everything's ready to go. So Jeff just gets in there, does his thing, and we play, Jeff probably plays two or three times, we come out, we listen to it. Great. All right, next song. Play the next one for me. And then, you know, here's the next song. Wow. You know, there's none of us playing live and forgetting and this and that. You know, Jeff just goes in and does it. So, you know, I mean, it just cuts down on even more time. You know, I mean, back in the day with the boss, we used to run through these songs that I mean, to the point where you're sucking the life out of them. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, we already know Mom, I'm coming. We already know No More Tears. I, we know it. You know, let's just record this thing. And I mean, and I understand, you know, if we're paying three grand a day in a studio, you want to make sure the band, if we're producing a record, you want to make sure that the, the gang knows the, what they're going to do when they get in there. So we just knock this thing out and get out, get in and out. You know, so when the record doesn't cost 
two million dollars to make a record. Yeah. So I get that aspect, but at the same time, when Sabbath wrote Paranoid, it was like, guys, we need like four minutes to fill up on a record. It's like, you got anything? And it's like, no, nah, we don't have any more songs. Just like Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Well, then you just come up with something, you know, and then Tony was like, all right, let me see what I can do. And then down, 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 you know, and then it was like, all right, well, how about I play the riff twice? Then we'll all kick in. It's like, all right, we'll go down, 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 you know, and everybody's, and Ozzy's like, what part am I singing over? And then it was just like, uh, dun, 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 you know, and then Ozzy's like, all right, keep playing. Let me come up with something. Yeah. And then Oz came up with the melody, which he always does, you know, he knocks it out of the park, like first shot. So, I mean, it's, uh, and then Geezer put, put the lyrics to it and then they, they probably just did the music and Oz sang it and it was done. So what I'm just saying is they wrote that on the spot. There was no rehearsals. It's one no of the most classic songs in the, in the entire history of music. Saying. Yeah. So, I mean, so, I mean, there is no right or wrong way to ever do anything. It, just as long as it, it comes together and it works and it sounds good. You know, if you're going to go with a giant mountain, we're either going through it, around it, over it, underneath it, whatever we got to do, as long as we get to the other side of it. So that's all that matters. But I mean, uh, you know, I mean, but something has to be said for just when you go in the studio, you know, I mean, it's just everything sounds good and, and it's just a breeding ground for inspiration. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I, I, I think, you know, but, you know, that, that's even when we recorded this album, everything was pretty much done before the fellas came out, though. You know, so that that's how it goes. But the solos, like you said, but as far as the solos go, though, like you said, I'll listen to once I put the vocals on and everything like that. I got that CD of, of the the whole song with the vocals on it. So when it gets to the soul, I already kind of have an envision what the, I want the soul, to, you know, how it should be. I was just start off or whatever, but like, you know, to me, that's the frame on the, on the picture because I got the picture now. So it's like, well, let me see what kind of frame I want to put around this thing. So, you know, and I'll just sit and work it out. You know, it's like the, the St. Rhodes school of soloing, you know, it's, 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 it's got, it's a song within a song. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. You know, and it's, it's got to fit the, you know, fit the thing. So, you know, uh, you know, I'll just sit and work until you get something you're happy with, you know? So, I mean, that's it. So I'll, I'll just sit and keep recording. And I get to this part, I'm like, yeah, maybe I'll maybe just do a long thing or something. Or maybe I'll do a fast thing here, you know? So, and then you just keep going until you get something you're happy with. The thing that I love about Black Label Society, and especially some of the stuff on the new record that I've heard, is that twin guitar attack where maybe you're soloing and then, and then, you know, the other guy is soloing. Sorry, I don't have his name written down in my notes, but oh, uh, Dario, yeah, you, got Dario, Dario yeah. Over there. you guys kind of throw it back and forth. And I, I really, really enjoy that. Is that a different approach than as where like with Ozzy, you're the guy that's playing all the leads. You're the guitar guy. It does it take any kind of adjustment on your part to kind of like figure out when you're going to play, when he's going to play as far as solos go. 
No, I mean, the way, I mean, it's just an evolution because, I mean, more Dario's been in the band. I mean, Dario's amazing. He can play, play his ass off on guitar. He can play piano, keys. He can play, uh, he sings. He does dishes, laundry, makes an amazing chicken piccata. I mean, <laughs> he's completely well-rounded. He's, he's, he's amazing. So, but the thing is this, um, you know, when I, the whole time I'm playing piano, Dario's doing guitar. And then, uh, like, throughout the years, you know, the more... Like we'll take songs like Stillborn or, you know, Suicide Messiah. And I'm like, Daryl, why don't we double this part in the solo? So we're we're doing that. And then, you know, I can fire it up when we go out in the crowd and take drink orders. You know, we're doing doing banjos and, and everything. So going kind of like on the record where I solo, then he'll solo, then I solo, then he'll solo. So then, uh, so we do, we do, you know, it's just an extension of that on the record. And then, you know, as far as putting the harmonies on there and stuff, the intros, the songs or, or certain guitar lines before a solo, it's, you know, it's kind of a, you know, in, in the vein of like the Allman Brothers or, you know, uh, Judas Priest or Thin Lizzy, where you, you literally need two guys to achieve that sound. You know what I mean? So, uh, no, the way, you know, I, I composed the record is just uh, kind of like that. It was just like, oh, yeah, maybe I'll do, me and Daryl will do a harmony here. But, you know, after I did the solos, I was just like, Daryl, why don't you solo here, then I'll solo, then you solo. And then we just sent it over to Daryl's studio over at the, uh, the Dark Chapel he's got over there in, in Vegas. He's got a home studio out there, too. So we just sent him the files, and Daryl was like, all right, let me let me come up with something. Like, send a, he'd send send it back to us like 15 minutes later. I was like, slamming, <laughs> done. You know what I mean? So it was, it, yeah, I think he played his ass off on the record. So uh, I'm really happy with the way it came out. Well, I want to, I want to take it back a little bit now um, with the 30th year anniversary of no more tears. I kind of want to know your memories of that. Cause you know, from now being in your home studio and you know, it's, it's not as expensive. We were talking about $3,000 a day to cut Randy's drums I know that was your second record with Ozzy, correct? Because you did No Rest for the Wicked as well? Yeah, totally. So when you went into the studio for No More Tears or maybe even No Rest for the Wicked, was that your first time in like a, a massive studio with that kind of budget? Like, was it kind of almost like a dream come true? Like, can you tell me some like oh, yeah. memories well, of that? Of course. You know, I'm 19, 20 years old. Yeah. When we were doing No Rest for the Wicked. So yeah, of course. I mean, yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, I mean, but, you know, I... I didn't have any studio, you know, experience like that, but I mean, it's just like, you know, from then to now, but I mean, it's just like, you know, from then to now, I mean, you know, it, it one thing that doesn't change, you just get, you know, if you have good gear, good microphone, good EQs, and you have a good amp and a, and a, you know, and your guitar tone, what's coming out of that speaker, if it's good. Yeah. And that's what you should be capturing. Yeah. You know, there is no magic that dust that they sprinkle on the thing that just makes you know, Eddie Van Halen sound like Eddie Van Halen. I mean, you listen to Eruption, you know, you can Google it up on YouTube, like hit the, they'll solo up that track from when he played Eruption. And, and, and it's like, it's amazing, man. Yeah. It's just like, it's, that's Eddie and his Marshall and his guitar. And it's just, what you're hearing on that record is him. It, 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 there's no magic dust sprinkled on it and everything like that. So, I mean, it's, it's Ed doing his thing. So, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, obviously, production-wise, you know, you could add reverbs, you could do this here and that, you know, like do little things to sweeten things up. But I mean, all the great records that we love that you listen to, it really is, the, it's recorded really well. Yeah. So when, you, you know, when you put everything up, you really don't even have to, 
mix it really. It's, it almost sounds pretty much done. Yeah. Even when you're putting the basics down. And then, you know, when we're going to mix it as a record, you just EQ it and just make sure everything sounds good. The bass sounds good. The drums sound good. The guitars, you know, you just get everything so it fits and it's just, it's really good. But usually, I mean, you listen to those records, whether it's Zeppelin, The Stones, uh, Sabbath, I mean, it, the tones come in it immediately when they recorded it, it sounded good. Yeah. You know? They'd have to do a lot of like post stuff. It's just off no. the floor. It sounds great, right? Yeah, pretty much, man. You know, and then that, that's great because then if we want to put stuff on it, it just, it just, you know, just like icing on the cake. Well, I'm always interested in songwriting and I, I really like, you know, how you put together this new black label society stuff. I've always wondered though, with a guy like Ozzy, where he's the singer, it's kind of like his solo stuff, but he always has that guitar player. What are the writing sessions like with Ozzy? Are you guys kind of kicking around ideas together or are you bringing stuff to the table and like, like how does well, that I mean work? back back in the day, you know, we would all be together in a room and Oz would be like, Zach, what do you got? You know what I mean? It's just like, you know, because that's that's my job, you know, <laughs> you're general Patton, you're head of the tank division, you know what I mean? So it's just like uh yeah, and it would just with me, it would be like, well, you know, my job is riffs and music, you know what I mean? So uh, you know, Miracle Man, you know what I mean? Like it, you know, it's the first song I ever wrote with Oz. So, you know, it's just uh so always remember that it was just giant, chicka, chicka, giant. You know, I was just like, "Was that the part I sing over?" It's like, yeah. So we just do it over and over. And then, and the same thing with Oz. I mean, usually every time I work with him, very rarely would he sing. Would he have to come back and go? I'm not happy with what I'm singing on that. Let me, I'm going to change it and fix it. I got to sing something else. Usually, it's always the first thing that comes out of his mouth. You know, is like is the vocal line. That's what I say. He's like the king of the melody. It just always kills it every time. You know, whether it's no more tears, mom, I'm coming home. Miracle Man, Crazy Babies, I mean, all that stuff. It was just like, that was just the first thing. Like, go ahead, keep playing it. Let me sing something over it. And it would be, that would be the melody. Now, I know that you're a massive Black Sabbath fan, have been your whole life. When you got that gig, did it feel real? Like, when did it kind of feel real to you? Can you, can you take me down that road? Um, I felt real. It was that it was at that moment when I got the gig with Ozzy that my girlfriend, who's now my wife, Barbara, and she was like, you know what? I'll, I'll let you get the second base with me now. You know, she said that, you know, so I mean, that's when, that's when real. I realized, yes, I, I was like, wow. And they felt real. And I was like, this definitely feels real. That's so, awesome. Uh, I was like, they're real and they're spectacular. But I mean, you know, but, uh, yeah, it was at that moment. I was just like, wow, this, this, this really works. Gene Simmons is right. Girls actually do like guys in rock bands. <laughs> but I mean, but the thing is this, um, no, it was pretty crazy. I mean, you know, being like, I remember our first show we did at Pensacola for That was the first arena show. It was pretty, you know, it was like when the lights went down, it was just all my, in the roar of the crowd. It was just like, wow, this is pretty cool. You know, cause obviously I'd seen Ozzy with Jake at, uh, at, uh, at the spectrum. I saw, uh, Oz at the garden with Bernie Torme. So, you know, after, cause I never got a chance to see Randy. So, uh, cause he was going to play at the garden and Rand passed away before that. So Bernie Torme filled in for Randy at that. It was, and you know, they opened up with over the mountain. It was just mind blowing. So, and now, now I'm on the stage. So, you know, yeah. here I am, you know, so, you know, it was, it was at 1988. So I was 21 years old and I'm up there playing with the boss. So. That's, you know, that's just crazy, man. Big. I, I just love hearing that stuff because, you know, 
you have those dreams when you're young of these like your heroes and then you getting to join the band of your that, that had to just yeah, be a I'm mind fuck. In the same spot as like one of, one of my heroes so yeah. you know what i mean so yeah it was pretty uh pretty pretty mind-blowing for sure <laughs> well i tell you what man i've had you on the line for a while i do have a couple listener questions if you wouldn't mind answering those yeah let's go for it okay uh terry from texas he said um he loves your vocals in black label society did you learn any vocal techniques from Ozzy himself? Um, Oz showed me how to play the harmonica. You know, I actually <laughs> showed me how to play the wizard, you know, on the harp. Yeah. But uh, no, I mean, you know, like I said, I remember I was in, uh, like we, we used to be, I run a joke with Zach Sabbath. You know, we used to play these, me and you being in a band together when we were in high school, you know, in eighth grade and ninth grade and 10th grade, what, playing keg parties in people's basements and stuff like that in the kitchen. And, uh, you know, playing War Pigs then, you know, when we were 16, and now I'm 54 years old, and I'm still playing War Pigs, except, you know, we're playing at keg parties, except there's more people. Yeah. I mean, but it's like nothing's really changed, you know what I mean? So, but um, no, as far as singing, I because I, I was singing it then, you know, I was doing, you know, you would sing a bunch of songs that would fit your voice, and I, I would sing the, you know, the, the Sabbath stuff, and then... uh but no, I, t- I took uh, vocal lessons from the guy Ron Anderson once, you know, just like giving you exercises and stuff that you could do on a piano and stuff like that, you know. So, but I still remember all that stuff, you know. But I, I think it's, you know, with, with anything, you got to, the more you do it, the better you get at it. And, yeah. You know, so just, it's just a matter of practice and, and things like that. Well, Terry from Texas, thank you for your question. Now, I got a million other questions and I just kind of combined them into one because I didn't want to take up all your time. Uh, the consensus on the socials when I posted that I was going to be talking to you is uh, every we all know that you were friends with Dime from Pantera. Everybody just kind of wanted to know, you know, maybe a funny story or a cool story about your time hanging out with Dimebag. I remember, well, yeah, I mean, Dime was freaking hilarious. I remember, uh, I, <laughs> I remember, uh, no, I remember the, the one time, you know, I remember for Christmas, I was supposed to go home. I, me and Dime had done the photo shoot for Guitar World, you know, the, where me and Dime are on the cover and yeah, stuff like that. I have that magazine in my room, actually. Oh, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> totally. So me and me and Dime did the, the cover of that mag of, of Guitar World. Nick Bolcott, who's a, who's a black label brother. But Nick was out there and, you know, huge uh, Dime guy as well. So it, we're all at Dime's house and we're shooting the cover of that thing. And all I remember is Barb needed me to be home back in L.A. to help her out with with our two kids, you know, cause they were at that time, they were, they were toddlers, you know, they weren't, they were like, you know, the baby the carriers. Yeah. So she's just like, you know, make sure you get home after you think, cause we got it. Cause we were heading back uh, to Jersey for Christmas to Newark airport. So I was in Texas at times. <laughs> Anyways, all I remember is we got so blasted those last two days. And then like, they dropped me off at the airport. And then I was just like, I went back to my, Hotel room. I was staying in the hotel room. I was supposed to catch the flight the next day. Hit the bars in the in the thing. Completely missed the flight, and then I ended up at the bar. Couldn't. Then I, I ended up going back to the hotel room for a bit, you know, because I said I'll get on another flight or whatever. Ended up passing out with, and this was before cell phone, yeah, so I yeah. couldn't even get in touch with me or anything like that. But all, all I remember was just like Barb ended up having to go all the way to Jersey without me. With the two kids, I completely missed the flights, missed everything because of this lost weekend at Dimes. You know what I mean? So 
Yeah, Barb wasn't too happy about that. But uh, yeah, the the amount of, you know, I had to have like maybe three liver transplants and two <laughs> pancreas transplants while I was at Dimes for that one. But uh, yeah, that was that was pretty hilarious. So we used to that we got some mileage out of that one for a while. And me and Dime, you know, just like Zach, make sure whenever we got together after that, it was always Bar Dime would always have to be Barb. Don't worry, I'll make sure I get a home. You know what I mean? So it, it was constant damage control after that. Whenever we got together, so uh, other than yeah, his, other no, than Dime his talent, was, he just he seemed like such a good guy. Like I, I have a lot of mutual friends that knew Dime, and I've heard stories very similar to this. Oh yeah, no. The best was like he, he dime would literally have. I mean, it's comedy, man. But I, it's just like guys that would be like on the program, you know, that haven't had a drink in like six years, or whatever. <laughs> and it's like he'd have them drinking, you know, like come on, man, you know, like just because, just being the contagious, you know, good happy time guy he was. Because like I said, it doesn't matter whether you, you know. You, you have your life was it was the most worst turmoil in your life you ever had. Dime would walk in a room and just light up the room. And then like it was like Blue Tarski, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And then it was just like he'd light up the room and then just like he'd have you feeling great within seconds. So uh, but he'd have like people that were, <laughs> were not supposed to be drinking. <laughs> they'd be getting smashed. You know, like hanging out with him. It's like, dude, what are you doing? Frank's been sober for like eight years. You know what I mean? It's like the guy just blasted out of his mind. He was like, well, yeah, I was hanging out with Dime, you know. So I'm like, uh, it doesn't count if you're but, at Dime's uh, and yeah, house. Yeah, Dime, right? Dime would be like, I had no idea, you know. He's like, I had no idea this guy's supposed to be sober, you know. That's awesome. But, uh, oh, friggin' hilarious, man. But yeah, but he, he was the best, man, for sure. Well, thanks totally. for sharing that, man. A, a lot of people on the socials really wanted to hear that, so I appreciate that. Yeah, and uh, greatest, I've only got like one more thing to ask you, and, and I would I would hate myself if I didn't ask about this, because this is one thing that really affected me and that you were a part of, the movie Rockstar. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. I, I, <laughs> I remember when I first watched that in the theater, and I saw you up there, and I was like, oh my God, that's fucking Zach Wilde. And- it was just so cool, man. And every movie I've ever seen, the people that are playing in bands, they don't play guitar correctly. It's always like some actor that doesn't know shit about the guitar. And you were killing that shit, but I mean, of course you would. Did you have anything to do with the music in that movie or like Yeah, I mean, I I, I played all over the soundtrack. You okay. Know I mean, that's me playing guitar on the soundtrack. So but the songs were already pre-written before I got in there. But I just I, you know. Sammy Hagar wrote some songs. I think uh, Twiggy Ramirez wrote, Twiggy wrote some songs like Blood Pollution and some of the other ones that are in there. But I uh, like Stand Up and Shout, you know, I, and, you know, I put some certain things in the solo breaks and stuff like that. I added a bunch of riffs and stuff like that. But yeah, it was just, um, I, I had a great time making it. You know, Mark Wahlberg, Mark's a great guy. And, yeah. You know, Jennifer's super cool. And then, I mean, everybody that worked on that movie was all great people. And then, you know, Jammer would, you know, Father Jason over there and, and Jeff Pilsen and all, all the guys. I mean, it was, it was a great time for sure, man. The one last little thing about the movie I wanted to ask. Now, I've never, I don't think I've ever seen you, I mean, I think I have maybe back in the day, clean shaven. You always seem to have kind of the signature Zach Wilde beard. Oh, you know, I had to shave every day for that movie, man. Was that like part of it? Like they wanted to make sure you were clean shaven? Oh yeah, no, totally. Well, that was the the look, you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah. But but the whole thing is, uh, um, you know, at the end of the movie though, 
I had to put on a beard because it, and it didn't, the cuts didn't make the movie. Maybe they made it in the director's cut or whatever, you know, but, uh, because what they did is like when the band was done and remember Mark left the band and became a singer songwriter and, uh, and it was like, whatever happened to the steel dragon and the band guys. So it was like a, where are they now kind of thing. And I ended up like out of the music business. And I, I was just like moved up there. I lived in some like log cabin out in the, out in the <laughs> woods somewhere. And I just like hunted bears and you know, I just like, I became like Grizzly Adams and I, but I just had a shotgun a beard and I, you know, and I just became a mountain man Yeah. after that. And it was just like, I had to wear this beard at the end. So like, I'd be seeing this beard while I'm wearing, and I'd go, you know what, after this movie, man, I think I'm just going to grow, I'm going to grow my beard out like this. So I could actually test drive the thing before I actually <laughs> grew a beard out. That's, so, that's... Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty funny though, man. Do you ever find yourself because like I, you know, during the pandemic, we didn't really leave a lot. We have two young children watching a lot of TV I swear that movie was on every couple of days on some different channel and syndication. Do you ever like catch it and kind of maybe watch a little bit of it? Well, yeah, no, I'll see. I mean, it's like this cult thing now. I mean, and I've seen it then. And I actually, I remember, I remember being on plane flights and it would be like Rockstar would be on the plane, you know, like you could choose. And I was just like, Oh, wow, check this out. You know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty funny though, man. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> totally. Well, man, I've had such a great time getting to know you today. Thank you for coming on the program. Um, I want to know about the future for Black Label Society. I know you guys have a big tour coming up. I think Obituary and Prong and some bands are, are playing with you guys. Can you give me the rundown on the future of the band? Well, we're doing this run with the with Obituary and Prong. We're going to be rolling with them to uh, you know October first, November twenty eighth, and we go home. Then it's I guess uh, we do a Christmas run, you know, the Black Label Christmas New Year's Eve run. So it's like the twenty sixth of December to. You know, and then we roll to be with the Arizona chapter on New Year's Eve. And then after that, I mean, you know, the boss, I just spoke with him last night. He's getting, he had surgery done today. So I got to check in with him. But, uh, you know, on his neck to, to, to fix him and glue him back together. And then obviously get him back to, you know, because he's like, Zach, I'm so over this. I just want to get get back to doing shows again, you know, and being feeling better. So uh, that's what's going on with the boss. So uh, otherwise we're supposed to be have like rehearsals in January. And so that's, that's the game plan there. And then obviously with black label, we're doing festivals over in Europe and stuff like that. So as far as my, you know, what I got going on, I, you know, I just post all that stuff, whether it's on my Instagram or Twitter and Facebook and whatever, you know, I just post all, you know, let everybody know what's going on. But uh, yeah, that's it. That's it for now. Just like, I guess going to be a ton of torn, and hopefully rolling with, you know, I'm getting excited about playing some of the new stuff off the new record. Do you ever happen to catch uh, Ozzy's new show where Jack shows them paranormal videos? <laughs> oh, the paranormal. Yeah, that's pretty good, man. <laughs> that's definitely, that's definitely hilarious though. He just, <laughs> he just seems like the nicest dude, man. Like, I don't know. I've, I've been a, like a fan of yours, a fan of his ever since I can remember. And I just... I, I would like to be a fly on the wall when you guys are just having a, a shooting the shit. You know what I mean? Like uh, backstage. You'd be, the, you'd be on the floor crying, man. Cause I've always <laughs> said with Ozzy, it's a miracle any work ever gets done because he's taking the, he takes the piss out of himself every other two seconds and then, or, or whatever else is going on. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, I mean, like with Spinal Tap, he was like, Zach, I didn't find that movie funny at all. I thought it was a documentary <laughs> of Black Sabbath. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. If anybody can say it, it's him though, right? 
Oh yeah, without a doubt, man. He's the best, bro. You're well, Zach, today has been uh, a bucket list for me, man. So thank you so much for coming on. I can't wait to pick up the new record, and just so much, you know, just good fortune, and just I, I hope the, ne- the next year treats you really, really well, my man. You got it, man. Right back at you, brother. Cool. I will, great I, talking to you, man. Yes, sir. And if you ever want to come back to promote anything or just shoot the shit about touring, let me know. We'll do it. <laughs> you got it, without a doubt, my brother. Awesome. Without I'll talk doubt. to you later, man. Thank you. All right, brother. Take care, buddy. Peace. So there it was, my conversation with Mr. Zach Wild. It was awesome getting to chat with Zach, and hopefully he can come back in the future for a part two. I'm sure he's got a lot of other really cool stories that he can tell you guys. Uh, The first CD, I talked about this a little bit with Zach. The first CD I ever owned was No More Tears by Ozzy Osbourne, and Zach's playing on that record had a major effect on me. I think it was the first time that I really noticed what a pinch harmonic was. And uh, I don't know, you just you have to check out all of Zach's stuff, all the Black Label Society stuff. And also the 30th anniversary, 30 years. Uh, it's the expanded version of No More Tears. It's got some live stuff, some demos. It's really, really cool. So check out the new 30th anniversary of No More Tears and make sure to stream or buy or download or whatever you want to do. Doom Crew Inc., the brand new record from Black Label Society. Uh, Zach, if you're out there listening, thank you, man, so much. It was a dream come true to get a chat with you, and I hope we get to do it again real soon. So that is it for this week. I appreciate all of you spending your time with me, and uh, I know I was gone for a while, but I'm back now. Like I said, I don't know if it's going to be an every week thing. There might be some episodes come out on weird days. There's a lot going on at Swinney HQ. And uh, I I care about the podcast and I want to keep it going. But, you know, some things have been taking precedence over the podcast, but I'm not going to stop anytime soon. I have some great episodes in the coming weeks. And I just want to say thank you so much for staying on the ride with me. And uh, all of you have been so great. You know, uh, last month when I lost my stepdad, you guys are sending me messages and just, I don't know. I love the community that we've created and I feel like you're all my friends out there and this isn't just my show. It's your show as well. So uh, I would like to feature you on an episode that's coming up soon. The top 10 releases of 2021. If you want to be involved with that, put your list together and you can email me or, or DM me or whatever, but it'd be, it would be awesome if you could actually call the hotline and leave me a voicemail so I can feature you on the episode. If you want to do that, you can just call the hotline. It is area code 765-818. That's not right. <laughs> that isn't right at all. I haven't, I haven't done this for a while. It's area code 765-372-8818. 765-372-8818. Eight eight one eight. That's it. I swear that's it. You can always find this on the show notes as well if uh, I'm too dumb to actually tell you what the phone number is. But I would like to encourage you to also check out my band, uh, Fire Sale. We have a new record that is shipping very, very soon. It's a seven inch single with two songs. You can check out all the info for that on the socials at Fire Sale is a band and on our website, firesaleisaband.com. You can get bundles there with shirts and hoodies and everything. If you want to just buy the seven inch, it's available in the US from our label at sbam rocks.us, spam rocks.us. Or you can always pick it up in Europe 
at shop.sbam.rocks. That is shop.sbam.rocks. If you need to get in touch with me, it is easy. Like I said, you can email me, tototpodcast at gmail.com. Make sure to check out our website, which Sarah does such a good job at the website over there, just making it look really, really cool and having all the links and everything. It's tototpodcast.com. Grab some merch while you're there. It's the best way to support your favorite podcast. Uh, I'm going to leave you guys with the new single from Black Label Society. It's called End of Days. There's a really cool video on YouTube as well if you want to check that out. And then I'm going to follow it up with a classic Aussie track, the thing that started it off, My Love Affair with Zach Wilde and Ozzy Osbourne. Uh, It's No More Tears. It's going to be awesome. I think you're really going to like it. So I love you guys and gals. Remember to wash your hands, wear your masks, and get vaccinated if you can. Be kind to one another. That is a very important thing to do. As always, this is Chris, your favorite or top five favorite, top 10 favorite podcast hosts. I'll see you guys in the future. Peace. If I told you, would you believe? In what you can't hold In what you can't see Will you follow Or will you deny A love that's offered Beyond the end of time The truth is
the bush, in 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 the bush, Hey, this is Lars Fredrickson from Rancid. This is Mark O'Connell from Taking Back Sunday. This is Tom from MXPX. Hey, this is Jay Bentley from Bad Religion. This is Vinny from Less Than Jake. This is Travis from Coheed and Cambria. This is Chris number two for the band Anti-Flag. Hey, this is Ricky Rocket from Poison. This is Pete Parada from The Offspring. Hey, this is Zach Blair from Rise Against. Hey, this is Eddie from the band Thrice. Hi, this is Frank Turner. Hey, this is Jim from Pennywise. Hey, this is Eric Smelly, the drummer of No Effects. Hi, this is Bill from Faith and More. Hey, this is Chris from Propagandy. Hi, this is Rory from No Use for Name. Hi, this is Ben Gillies from Silverchair. This is Stefan from Descendants, and you're listening to That One Time On Tour with Chris Swinney. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the One Hit Thunder or nothing more than a One Hit Blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods.